Today is our final lesson in the seven, seven week series, and that is Jesus corrects. <laughs> Jesus corrects. Page 61. Page 61. So here's the backdrop for our lesson today. After feeding the multitude, Jesus sent his disciples back across the Sea of Galilee while he stayed behind to pray. Jesus again demonstrated his authority over nature by walking on the water. We saw in Mark chapter 6, uh, uh, chapters, uh, verses 45 to 52. And then Mark recorded that Jesus continued his ministry by teaching and healing in the region of Gennesaret. Saw that in verses 53 through 56 of Mark chapter 6. During this time, a conflict arose between Jesus and some of Israel's religious leaders concerning ceremonial purification. And so today's lessons, we're going to look at what it means to respond to the traditions uh, that people have in the church today and whether they should follow those traditions or they should follow the word of God. And that is the conflict that Jesus encountered with those religious leaders. Unfortunately, many people are caught up in that same conflict today. Okay, the first question we have on page 61. What are some social customs or traditions we are taught to follow? What are some customs or traditions we are taught to follow? You know, previously, um, uh, previously we've seen uh, growing up in uh, in various families, uh, there was a the idea that children should be seen and not heard. Okay, we know that one, right? What are some of the other social uh, customs and traditions that you were taught to follow as you grew up, or some of the things you heard? Watch your manners. Watch your manners, right. Okay. Anybody else? When you walk into a church, you walk like a rat. Okay. Very quietly, be exactly the way the rat is. Okay. <laughs> Never heard that one. <laughs> okay. Any others? Yeah. Be polite to your elders. Be polite to your elders. All right. Okay, let's look at Bible Meets Life on page 62. Someone read that, please. Oil plays an important part in our lives and our economy. In fact, 92% of our transportation is fueled by petroleum. While oil serves us well, it can also be the source of great problems. The worst accidental oil spill in the world occurred in 2010 in the Gulf of Mexico at Deepwater Horizon. Over 200 million gallons of oil coated 572 miles of beaches and wildlife. 
Marine life was killed, and hundreds of birds became coated with the thick oil and died. To dress it, to dress, to dip, what? Take your time. <laughs> Traditions. Right. Like oil. Both are good, but we don't want them coating things they have no business coating. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we can get traditions and social customs coat and choke out other areas of life. Many religious traditions have value, but when they cover up and hide the commands and the grace of God, it's like an oil spill in our hearts. Just as cleanup crews work swiftly to clean up an environmental disaster, Jesus stepped in with the gospel to solve a sticky situation. He rebuked and corrected the thinking of religious leaders whose traditions have crea created a spiritual disaster. All right. So Jesus is in the business of solving sticky situations, right? So if you have a sticky situation, then you can take it to Jesus. He can fix it. What is the point? Jesus calls us to a higher standard. Always, always calls us to a higher standard. Okay, let's look at the first passage of scripture we have. And that is Mark 7, verses 5 to 8. Someone can go ahead and read that, please. Well, I guess I'll have to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> so the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating bread and ceremonially unclean hands? He answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites, as it is written. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands, abandoning the command of God, and you hold on to human tradition. When we know as the Old Testament was originally divided into three parts, the law, the prophets, and the writings, it's all God's word. But the first portion, the law, also called the Torah, held a special place in the hearts of the Jewish people. As rabbis taught us, taught the Torah, they sometimes added more laws around the ones God gave them to make sure they didn't violate one of his commands. For example, God's command about the Sabbath says, you must not do any work. You, your son or daughter, your male or female servant, your livestock or the resident alien who is within your city gates. Exodus 20.10. The purpose for this command was to set aside time for worship, spiritual reflection, and physical rest in order to be rejuvenated for the work week ahead. To ensure they obeyed this beneficial command, the rabbi went into detail trying to determine what constituted work. They identified actions like drawing water from a well, slaughtering animals to feed the family, or picking barley from a field as work. 
overturn the original intent of the Sabbath, resting and refocusing on the Creator, was replaced with a logistic set of rules. Legalistic. Oh, sorry. Legalistic, yeah. Legalistic set of rules that went far beyond the purchase of the command. In Jesus' day, there were no stricter enforcers of these other rules and regulations than the Pharisees. So when they saw Jesus' disciples eating bread with ceremonial unclean hands, they were quick to pounce. Their intent was not to correct an error, but to discredit Jesus. Next page. <clears throat> Of course, Jesus was the motivation of their hearts and responded with ultimate wisdom. He quoted Isaiah 29, 13, and then punctuated the truth from God's word by calling them hypocrites. In their prideful seal to keep their own oral traditions, the Pharisees neglected the true purpose and intent of God's commands. Traditions aren't necessarily bad, but they cannot and must not transcend God's word. As Christians, it's crucial that we examine not just what we do, but why we do it. To forsake the commands of God in order to keep the law of man is dangerous and in direct opposition to what God truly wants. Sincere, humble obedience that is motivated by love. Okay. Notice the first two paragraphs there on page 65. Uh, it shows the, the, the conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees. It says, we know what we know as the Old Testament was originally divided into three parts. The law, the prophets, and the writings. And notice, it's all God's word, all of it. But the first portion, the law, also called the Torah, held a special place in the hearts of the Jewish people. The rabbis taught the Torah. They sometimes added more laws around the ones God gave to make sure they didn't violate one's, one of his commands. Uh, what, what comes to mind when we, when we hear that? Do we have people adding to God's word today? What are some of the things that people add? That you have to be baptized as well to mm -hmm. be saved. Okay, you have to be baptized to be saved. Does scripture teach that? It doesn't. Okay, that's one of the traditions that people added, just like what the, the, the rabbis did. What are some of the other things that we hear that people add? that it almost sounds like scripture. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Is that in scripture? No. But we hear it a lot, and sometimes people believe that it's scripture. Right? There's nowhere you could find it in scripture. What are some of the other things that, that, that are traditions that people think? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, that is, that is, that is in scripture. Way. Yeah, Jesus said that. that, one, that Jesus, Jesus said that. What else? What others? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, going on. For example, God's command about the Sabbath says, On it you shall not do any work, neither shall your son, your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or your sojourner, who is within your gates, according to Exodus 2010. The purpose of this command was to set aside time for what? Worship, right? Spiritual reflection and spiritual rest in order to be rejuvenated for the work ahead. To ensure they obeyed this beneficial command, the rabbis went into detail trying to determine what constituted work. Did the Bible tell them to do that? No. No, that was something they added. And so they added all these traditions in terms of what work is and what work is not, and bound the people. To, to, to ensure they obeyed this beneficial command, the rabbis went into detail trying to determine what constituted work. They identified actions like drawing water from a well, slaughtering animals to feed the family, or picking up barley from the field as work. Over time, the original intent of the Sabbath, resting and refocusing on the Creator, was replaced with a legalistic set of rules that went far beyond the purpose of the command. And again, we find people doing that today. Something that we need to be cautious of. Okay, question number two. What are some factors that cause modern Christians to, to neglect God's commands? What are some factors that cause modern Christians to neglect God's commands? It doesn't appeal to them. It doesn't appeal to them. Okay, that's a good one. What else? Any others? Selfish interests. Selfish interests? Okay. What about him? Pride. I mean, if humility is what we are to have before God, then the opposite is pride. Pride? Okay. A prideful outlook on, you know, I know best. Mm hmm. Okay. Notice the second paragraph on page 64. Traditions aren't necessarily bad, but they, can, they cannot and must not transcend God's word. As Christians, it is crucial that we examine not just what we do, but why we do it. To forsake the commands of God in order to keep the law of man is dangerous and in direct opposition to what God truly wants. What does God truly want? A sincere, humble obedience that is motivated by what? Love. Love. And what did Jesus say about love and commands? He says, if you love me, you will do what? Keep my You will keep my commandments, or you will obey me, or you will do what I say if you love me. Okay, as we move to verses 9 to 13, we'll see Jesus get both specific and stern in his rebuke. So let's look at those, uh, those verses. Mark uh, chapter 7, verses 9 to 13. Anyone else want to get a crack at reading? He also said to them, You have a family of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, 
and whoever speaks through a father or a mother must be put to death. What do you say if anyone tells his father or mother, whatever benefit might have received from me is power, that is, I'm offering devoted to God. You will no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You will nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many other similar things. <clears throat> the Pharisees had prayed to discredit Jesus, but Jesus turned the tables on them. They had shown in verse 5 to 8 how they neglected God's command in favor of their own tradition. In verses 9 to 13, he showed how they also used God's word. To understand what the Pharisees were doing, let's look at the rabbinical practice of power, which referred to a gift dedicated to God. This was a serious vault in which a person devoted property or money to God. It was a good practice that was posed on a God. Okay, go on to page 66. Pharisees ceased to put these Pharisees created a loophole go in order to um, appear righteous. A Pharisee might declare everything he has as common, designated for use by God, but he might not give it to God at the very moment. He could essentially put the resources on reserve for future use in the temple. In the modern context, he would be like a person who has ten thousand dollars in savings account and declares that he is devoting the money to God, but only later, so that he can still use it for the present time. One day, his parents admit they are struggling financially and need some help. This son is I'm sorry, but I have no money to give you. It's all dedicated to God. Sadly, <laughs> the kind of hypocrisy that stems from twisting God's word is still rampant today. Some religious people obey all the rules and traditions of this local church, of their local church, or denomination. But it's only an outward show. They perform righteous acts but have no love for others. They treat church members with great respect. But we speak the only members of them. We need to know the word of God. We need to weigh the opinion of preferences of others, whether they are pastors or commentary writers. It means what God works. <coughs> Luke commanded the people in Korea because they did this. The people here were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. Since they received the word with eagerness and examined the scriptures daily to see that these things were so. Acts 17 Our goal is not simply to have the right knowledge. We want to draw nearer to the father of the us. Okay. So we see, uh, go back to page 64, uh, last paragraph there. Notice, 
to understand what the Pharisees were doing, let's look at the rabbinical practice of the carbon, which referred to a gift dedicated to God. This was a serious vow which a person devoted property or money to God. What does this sound like to you? Was there a situation we heard, we read in scripture similar to this before? Where someone made a, a, a commitment and then went back on it? And they stay in the Lord. Hmm? And they stay in the Lord. And they still want to bring What does this remind us of? Ananias is a fire, right? <laughs> right, it does. So they, uh, it says this is a serious vow which a person devoted property or money to God. It was a good practice that was supposed to honor God. Supposed to honor God. But notice what they did. The Pharisees created a loophole. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? You notice that every law there's a loophole? And these guys are no different. They created, it says they created this loophole. In order to appear righteous, a Pharisee might declare everything he had as korban, designated for use by God. But he might not give it to God at that very moment. He could essentially put those resources in reserve for future use in the temple. In modern context, it would be like a person who has a $10,000 in savings account. He declares that he's devoting the money to God, but only later. In other words, Lord, I'm going to devote this to you, but I'll, I'll hold on to it for now. You'll get it later. So he can still use it for the present time. One day his parents admit that they're struggling financially and need some help. Their son responds, I'm sorry, but I don't have any money. What about the $10,000 that you're holding there? He could have used it for that too. Right? And so this is what, uh, and this is what Jesus criticized uh, these religious leaders for. Question number three. Why are we often tempted to twist God's commands? To suit your own purpose, right? Yeah. Do what you want to do. Yeah. What else? That's the right answer. When was the last time we heard someone twist God's word and got in trouble? Go all the way back. Oh, had God said this in the garden? Yes. Exactly. In the garden of Eden. What did he say? Did he really say that? God said we shouldn't eat in the tree of the tree and we shouldn't even... Did God say that? No. God never said anything about touching the tree. All right. And so here we see how people are tempted. Now, why do you think she did that? Hmm? She wanted the fruit. Okay, of course she may have other reasons why she wanted to do that, but primarily she wanted to eat fruit because of what Satan told her the fruit would do if she ate it. All right, and so that's one of the reasons why people are tempted to twist God's commands to suit their own purposes or to have it their way. What is McDonald's? It says have it your way. Yes, they want to have it their own way. Okay, we'll finish the story with verses fourteen and fifteen. Let's look at those verses. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, anybody go ahead, read. Summoning the crowd again, he told them, listen to me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Jesus had been speaking directly to the Pharisees and scribes, exposing the corruption of defilement in their religious system. Jesus now turned to the larger crowd gathered to help them see the greater principle that applies to all of us. The whole conversation began with the religious leaders confronted Jesus because his disciples had dirty hands. But Jesus turned it around and showed that these same Pharisees and scribes had dirty hearts. <laughs> because the Pharisees wanted to talk about the Palmer, Jesus would talk about defilement. Anything defiled was considered common, impure, desecrated, or unclean. It turned out the Pharisees' accusation that not washing hands made a person unclean was not defilement at all. Jesus made this clear. Nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him but the things that come out of a person are what defiles him. I know about trying to clean up messes on the outside and inside. In an effort to get clean from drug addiction, I went to rehab twice. Neither of those stinks curbed my addiction because I was going in. I was doing it without Christ. I was simply using man's practices to cover up an issue that was deeply rooted in my heart and mind. Seeking purity without Christ is a dead end street. Jesus calls us to a higher standard than mere human or religious practices. We can do things that look good or religious, but nothing inherently lives in us. We become clean on the inside only when we let Christ transform us. God alone makes us righteous through Christ. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Okay, before we look at that paragraph and pull out some main points, look at question number four. What are the implications of Jesus' declarations in verse 15 for those who follow him? What are some implications that we see? Anybody? Okay, Jesus focuses on the internal, not the external. All right, whereas the Pharisees and men today focus on the external rather than the internal. Okay, what are what are the implications that we see there? Anything else? Yeah, God's grace. It, we live with the Holy Spirit in us, and uh, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, as we're in them. And walking with him, lead us and understand what he wants of our, each of our lives. Amen. 
Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. God always looks at the heart. Uh, you can look. Remember when uh, uh, um, God was uh, choosing a king for Israel? You know, everybody was looking at how handsome those guys were and how well built they were and tall and strapping. What was God looking at? God was looking at the heart. So God's uh, focus is always the internal rather than the external. And that's a good implication for us to be mindful of because sometimes I, we get caught in the same trap. I like trap. this section, seeking to give it up Christ is a dead end street. Mm -hmm. Ever went through a dead end street? Yeah, yeah. Christ is a dead end You got lost and you're looking to find directions and you end up in a dead end street. That's not a good feeling, right? <laughs> okay. I, I think um, I think when we come and realize that we can do nothing, no matter what it is, without Christ, we'll be well on our way. And sometimes we feel like, well, we can do it this way and we get by. But without Christ, we cannot do Anything, boy, that's the challenge. That should be easy to understand, right? Yeah, but so yeah. why do you think so many people can't understand it? Yeah, no, we still want our own way. Jesus said it, right? Yeah. Jesus said, "Without me, you can do nothing." Nothing. All right. He said that. Yeah. Well, we don't believe it, do we? But it still goes back to free. Some people think free is not good. So, you know, if, if it's free and too easy yeah. and all that, just accept, they don't want to do anything yeah. that. The philosophy of the world. Yeah. Philosophy of the world says if it's, if it's free or if it's cheap, it's no good. Yeah. That's the philosophy of the world. And many people uh, associate that with salvation. If it's free, it can't be that good. It ain't no good. And that's because we don't have a clear picture of the cross. True. Every every Christian needs to gaze upon the cross of Jesus yes. to realize how much it costs. Well, you know, there are some who are trying to get rid of the cross today. Exactly. Yeah. Right? They they are uh, they're delegating the cross to uh, the, the trash heap, the garbage dump, to antiquity. The cross doesn't mean anything to 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 many people anymore, and that's part of the problem. Okay. Let's look at some of the points, uh, three main points from the passage we read. Uh, the first one is, the whole conversation began when the religious leaders confronted Jesus because his disciples had dirty hands. But Jesus turned it around and showed them that these same Pharisees and the scribes had dirty hearts. Something to think about. All right, because we have a lot of people today who condemn individuals because of their outwardness but not not considering the heart. The second point, Jesus calls us to a higher standard than mere human or religious practices. Jesus always calls us to a higher standard. For some reason people seem to be satisfied with lower standards. But Jesus always calls a higher standard. And then the third point, God alone makes us righteous through Christ. No one can make themselves righteous. There are a whole lot of people who are trying. They're doing all kinds of things to try to make themselves righteous. And they forget the fact that only God 
makes us righteous. And that righteousness comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. He made him to be sin who knew no sin, that he, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Question number five, final question. When have you felt the weight of God's call to a highest standard? Put another way, when was the last time you felt the weight of God's call to a highest standard in your life? Anybody? Walking through stuff with your kids. Walking through stuff with your kids. Okay, boy, they can put it on you, don't they? Yeah, they can really put you in your spot. All right. Anyone else? Um, for me, when I deal with my work and everything, people are down and dirty and they just want to win. So I just find that sometimes I have to be where I'm at least seeing different from that. You know, it's like win at all costs and it's sort of you have to maybe take the higher ground and try to seem like different than the average. Well, as a lawyer, that must be really tough for you, eh? Yeah, because then you look like you're weak because they win, they, 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 they'll, they'll talk to you very badly mm -hmm. and stuff like that and be personal with you, at least in this country, I don't know about other countries, mm -hmm. but they'll be like personal. Mm -hmm. So you have to really take the higher ground so that you don't come on, come to their level. Mm -hmm. You actually seem like you are, you know, a right. little cut above the, you know, all of that, you know, <laughs> because it's mm -hmm. like a um, barroom type fight sometimes. Knock down, drag out. <laughs> wow. So. But, but you know, I think our higher ground, they don't realize it's so easy. Our higher ground is to be quiet in spite of whatever people say. And that is not easy. That is a higher ground for us when we can, no matter what is happening, what they say to you, you can be still and not answer. That is higher ground. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's a higher ground. Yeah. When I tell you that matter. Yes, I tell you, you have to be quiet and still, and it all comes back to overcome evil with good. And be still that is the highest you can ever get. Whatever happens to you. And like Michelle said, be still and know. That's right. Mm. Uh, when when I when we were uh, there, were three of us, three kids in my family, and my dad was a pastor. And there were some times when um, our friends from church were going to do certain things, and uh, we wanted to do it. And you know, my parents just didn't let us. And it kind of bugged us. <laughs> so we told my dad. You know, we just very patiently and gently, you know, explain, you know, kids, this is what it says in God's Word. And so this is the reason why Mom and I aren't going to have you be involved in that. So that really helped us. You know, so really at young ages, we learned that what God's Word said was really the standard of, well, 
what what made the difference of what we did and didn't do and how we thought and how we talked. So, yeah. <laughs> my dad was calling us to that standard when we didn't want to when we were younger, but uh, we realized that God's word through my parents' kind, patient, gentleness was really the voice to follow and not the voices of our friends and yeah. their parents. Right. Okay, the point again? Jesus calls us to And if you forget everything else that was said here today, remember that. Jesus always calls us to a higher standard. Okay, let's see how we can flesh this out uh, as we leave here. Page 68. How do we live this out? How would you reach for God's highest standard in the days to come? Consider the following suggestions. You could take all of them or you could just take one. Dig. Identify some of the church traditions you grew up with or currently practice. Divide them into three groups. Rituals, preferences, and Bible-centered practices. Okay, you can do that one, dig. Or you can bury. Stand strong for Christ-centered practices, but let go of those things that are only tied to your preferences. Determine not to expect others to live according to your preferences. That's bury. And then plant. Take someone out for coffee this week who struggles with Christianity because of the practices or customs they experienced in a particular church. Know anybody like that? Share your story. Help them see that a relationship with God is not tied to these practices, but only to faith in Christ. So you get three options there. You can dig, you can bury, or you can plant. You could do two, or you could do one, or you could do all three of them. Okay, your choice as you leave this week to go forth. And then finally, I hope you'll never have to clean up after an oil spill. But I hope very much that you'll identify and expel any human traditions or rituals getting between you and your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen.